the 5 o'clock frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. Have you heard of 5 o'clock hours here? It's brought to you by Nova Home Loans. Miles Simmons comes in with us from Pro Football Talk. Miles, where are you right now? I think he's with us. That was a big lead-in. He's not with us. I was all ready to go. Miles. Oh, well, I can I can hear you now. I couldn't hear you before, though. Hello, guys. We fixed it. Like, we got it. We got on? it. We're good. Where, where are you, buddy? Uh, I'm, just, I'm a little out and about today because I'm going to a concert in a little bit. But, you know, that's why I'm not on my usual clean feed here, and I'm, I'm on the phone. But, yes, hello. How are we? What concert? Uh, it's a Foles concert, and it is in Hollywood tonight, yes. Yeah. My friend invited me last minute. I'm being spontaneous today. This is what happens when you're single and childless. There you go. There you go. Hollywood, huh? Hollywood. Okay. Ah, I know. I know. Well, I thought you'd jump on that. I thought, you would, I thought you'd get defensive. But uh, no, Hollywood's a great scene for shows. Clearly. I mean, legendary fine. scene for shows. Sure. Did <laughs> yeah. you say in his time? Did you say in his time? No, no, no. I said it's fine. I, look, oh, okay. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm a beach person, right? And frankly, it's not the easiest to get from Santa Monica to Hollywood, which is why I am here, and the show doesn't start until, you know, 7, 8 o'clock. I don't think the doors even open until 7. So it's like, you know, you have to really be strategic about the way you leave your home in order to get to this place, even though it's this early. So, you know, I'm just I'm trying to avoid traffic. I'm trying to, you know, do things efficiently. And anyway... Here we are. What's up with football? What are we? What are we talking I don't know. about? We, we got to build on this for one, for one second here. By the way, okay. Mapping, and I've been to the area, and I've been on the one ten, and I really I wanted to just off myself while I was driving. Um, uh, your drive is thirteen miles. So for people outside oh. the area, we have a lot of Californians here uh, in yeah. Las Vegas, so they understand. It is one yeah. of the amazing things about California that you are literally going inside of fifteen or twenty miles, and you're like, I have to leave three hours early just in case. Yes, that is the absolute issue here. Yeah, I mean, it's made worse by the fact that there's no easy way to get from, like, the beach to the middle of Hollywood. That's just, and when I lived in the valley years ago, it was much easier because I could just take the 101 and go right on down. It would still take a while, but at least you're, you know, basically there. I mean, yeah, this is surface streets almost the whole way, and then you got to go on the side street, and then you're doing this, and Waze will tell you one way, Apple Maps will tell you another, Google Maps will tell you another, and you're kind of like trying to follow a recipe of like you would if you're trying to make something, you know, food and you're like, well, what's the best way if I combine all of these different things? Yeah. It's, it's the whole thing. Life in Los Angeles. Is, uh, did you say the venue or did you just say Hollywood? I just said Hollywood. Uh, I did Are not you at the, the Hollywood venue. bowl? Cause Hollywood bowl's nostalgic. That's a, right. Is that still I, the amphitheater? No. It, yes, yes, and I, it, I'm not going to the Hollywood Bowl. It's a different theater, which is name I don't actually remember. It's the Blesco, I think, is what it is. Uh, but I will be at the Hollywood Bowl in a couple of weeks when Maggie Rogers comes to town. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that. There you go. Big-time national writer, TV star, PFT Live, for Football Talk. Miles Simmons is with us out and about today. Um, I don't know how Saquon and Josh Jacobs and Tony Potter are going to handle this downtime and Kind of an unknown situation from a money standpoint. I think they're all okay. I'm very confident that Jacobs and especially Barkley are okay in terms of uh, saving for something like this. 
where are we? And this could be 20 minutes. Where are we with all three guys? Where Where are you with all three guys right now in the midst of I mean, essentially what is a holdout because they haven't signed the tag? Well, okay, Tony Pollard's different than those two in Barkley and Jacobs because Pollard did sign the franchise tender a couple months ago. So he is expected to be at training camp, and he is expected to play, and he's going to get at all of his $10.1 million that he is entitled to because he signed the contract. So he's under contract, and he's in a different situation now than Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. And to me, it's like... I, I don't know what the end game is here for either party, right? If you're Saquon Barkley and you're Josh Jacobs, yeah, you want to be able to make a point, I guess, and say, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to play for this money. I've earned the right to have a long-term deal. And you said that you wanted to get something done, but you didn't. And, you know, I don't feel like you necessarily gave me a good enough offer and all that. But, it's not like either Barkley or Jacobs can sign anything for a better amount of money and longer security now because they, they, are, they can't negotiate a long-term deal until after the season because they are franchise tag players. And so like, this is, like, I understand the principle of like, yeah, I don't want to be there and I want to prove a point, but you know, the only thing you're going to do if you're not there and you're not ready to play by week one is cost yourself money. If you want $10.1 million, because that's the most you're going to get this year, then it behooves you to at least be prepared to play by the time week one comes around. So that's the situation there where it is now. And I, I, I don't really know if like it's the best business for either party to not have had something done by this point. But the other thing that's kind of looming out there, and this is something that like I brought up on our PFT text chain where we talk all day, you know, if you are one of these teams and you're like, well, Dalvin Cook's out there, and we're only going to have Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs under contract for a year anyway, what if I go to Dalvin Cook and I'm like, hey, you one year, $10 million. One year, $9 million. What do you say? And what if he says yes? And then if that's the case, then you rescind the tag on Barkley or Jacobs, and then they become free agents, but they're screwed because they're not getting $10.1 million on the open market. They're not. Whether it's a year, two years, whatever. It's not going to be an average annual value of $10 million based on what the market is for running backs right now. So that's why I think of all the three running backs, Tony Pollard is in the best situation because he signed the franchise tender, and there's no question that he is entitled to $10.1 million this year. And the rest of those guys, I, I don't know where this ends. Hmm. Damon's got a question here in a second, but I got to follow up with Miles Simmons. Boy, that was kind of a sinister mention there. Boy, that would be underhanded. I couldn't see the Raiders doing that. Could you? I'm kidding. I the Raiders might they might actually consider that. But I'll also look at it from Dalvin Cook's standpoint. When something like this is going on at a position, and it feels like the position is getting battered from every angle. Does everyone have to go, you know what, now it's time to stick together? Like, would, would the other guys be pissed at Dalvin Cook? Like, brah, yeah. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's all about the position, hey, man. Yeah, but uh, look, that would still be the richest contract for a running back in terms of average annual value that we've seen all offseason. And he already got cut. 
because they, Minnesota decided that even though he had a season of over a thousand yards last year, he was healthy, he was productive. They wanted to move on to Alexander Madison because Madison is younger and he's healthy, and they believe he can be just as productive. So, I mean, at a certain point, we all also have to look out for number one and maximize our value as we can. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a little bit like. Uh, crossing the proverbial picket line, if you will. I got strikes on the mind. I am here in Los Angeles. But, like, I I, I would get it from Dalvin Cook's standpoint if he were to do that, right? Now, I think that the PFT, we did report earlier today that uh, the running backs and veteran guys have got some group chat going, and they're trying to figure out what it is they can do. And I don't know if Dalvin Cook is a part of that or not, but I think at a certain point, if you're Dalvin Cook and you're not really getting the kind of money that you would want at a certain point, like, don't you just take what you can get? And to me, like, that's the other thing where I think about with Barkley and with Jacobs, because right now there is no better offer on the table for this coming season than $10.1 million. So you can prove a point if you want, and you can kind of skip training camp if you want, but the longer that you do this, the more risk you're taking of you won't have that money that you know is in hand right now for you as things go into the 2023 season. Yesterday, Derrick Henry tweeted out, at this point, just get rid of the running back position. How do you think this affects players going forward where we see in college football, running back, it's more important than quarterback, but at the NFL level, it's just not playing out. Do you think that this has ramifications that we're not looking forward towards maybe 10, 15 years from now? Uh, not necessarily, because I think things are cyclical, right? Because all it takes is one guy that really is indispensable. And I think, you know, look, Josh Jacobs was an elite player last year, but if you look at the results, right, I mean, the Raiders were a six-win team. Yes, Saquon Barkley carried that offense last year, and I think Barkley is probably more valuable to the Giants with their aspirations than with the realistic aspirations of the Raiders right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a reason why teams have a focus on quarterbacks and wide receivers and left tackles and edge rushers and cornerbacks, right? Those are the premium positions in the NFL today. And so I don't necessarily think that it means, oh my gosh, you know, don't, Mama, don't let your kids grow up to play running backs, right? Like at the end of the day, that's still life changing money that running backs are going to get. Now, is it harder to get the second contract if you are that elite of a player and that elite of a talent? Yes, it is. But I, the whole idea that, oh my gosh, you know, people aren't going to play running back anymore. Yeah, they are because every team needs a running back and every team needs a decent run game. So this is, and this is not necessarily what you're asking, but like Austin Eckler with the whole thing of uh, everybody knows you need to have a, a top tier running back in order to win. Like that's objectively not true. And you need a solid run game. You know, you need the threat of a run most of the time, unless you have a really, really elite quarterback like the Chargers do, actually, or like we saw last year where, you know, you have two teams in the Super Bowl where you have one team that wins as a seventh-round pick out of Rutgers as their leading rusher, and the other team lets its leading rusher go walk in free agency and sign with the Panthers for an average annual value of $6 million. So neither of those teams had top-tier running backs, right? I mean, if you want to go to the final four, I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey is a top-tier guy, but other than that, you look at the other side of the field, is Joe Mixon really a top-tier running back? I don't think so. So the whole thing, like, it's, 
the, the problem is what the position is, right? And yes, you're still in the NFL. Yes, you're still making life-changing money. But right now in the NFL, it's not a premium position. And so with, because of that, the contracts are going to reflect that. Once again, speaking with Miles Simmons, PFT analyst, Hollywood concert, fine dining enthusiast. Uh, so yesterday <laughs> we read this tweet that uh, – from an NFL executive, right? Schultz report, Tony, Tony Pollard, J- Josh Jacobs. I don't think it's either is getting done. Last I heard both uh, was that they were pretty far apart. We see another story, Josh Jacobs sitting in a car in the parking lot with Max Crosby because they thought the deal was about to get done. At this point, who do you believe? Are they far apart? I mean, or is it just it's something you just got to let it play out? Well, I mean, as I said, because they can't negotiate anymore until after the season, it almost doesn't really matter. But I think it's like, well, whenever you see stories like that, you know, to me it's like, okay, well, whose agenda does that serve? I think it serves Josh Jacobs' agenda to say, hey, he wants to be committed to the Raiders to say that, you know, make it known that he was there. And I think that we know that Josh Jacobs is committed to the Raiders, right? Sean Reed of The Athletic put out a decent column, a good column, I shouldn't say decent, decent sounds mean. But, like, he put out a really good column today uh, about Josh Jacobs and how, you know, he had just had his uh, father had a really complicated health issue and the Raiders weren't playing for anything and he was still there and he was playing in that game. Right? And this is somebody that led the league in rushing and that proved that he was committed to the cause at every single turn, despite playing you know, in the Hall of Fame game, which key players don't do. Right? And to me, that was a signal when that happened that Josh Jacobs was probably on the out with the Raiders. And I wouldn't have been surprised if they had traded him or let him go because they didn't pick up his option in the first place. And if they had picked up his fifth year option, then we wouldn't be talking about this in general. So this is all a thing where it's like, yeah, Josh Jacobs has shown that he is committed to the Raiders and the Raiders, for whatever reason, have decided that they don't want to pay him what he wants. And he's also, Josh Jacobs also put out there, that you know he didn't want to reset the running back market. He still don't know exactly what he wanted, but I think whenever there is that kind of level of commitment from a player, yeah, you want to reward that. But at the same time, from a business standpoint, and with where the Raiders are right now, they're not ready to go and compete and win a Super Bowl, especially not in the competitive AFC. So does it really behoove you to sign a running back to that kind of big money for the next couple of years? I don't know that it does. Uh, do you like the Browns' new helmets? Uh, fine. You know, I mean, the whole white helmet trend, like I think the Bengals have a very, very good one. And this is a little maybe sacrilegious for me to say because I am from Cleveland and I am a Browns fan. But, like, Bengals' helmets, the white helmets are a little bit better than the Browns' helmets. But I don't want to be one of those people that's like, oh, the Browns are just copying the Bengals. Like, no, the Browns are going back to something that they did well, well, well before the Bengals were even founded, even though they were founded by the same guy. And, like, the Bengals are putting out there today that, like, the Browns copied their uniforms, which doesn't make any damn sense because Paul Brown <laughs> took what he had with the Browns and, like, because the Browns are literally named after Paul Brown, right? So they had the uniforms and everything like and the colors, and Paul Brown just took them to Cincinnati and made the Bengals. 
because that's what he did. So the Bengals are copycat off the Browns for a reason because they were founded by the same guy. So it's just I don't understand that whole They're, thing that the Bengals are doing today. But the Bengals are better than the Browns right now, and they're probably going to win the Super Bowl this year. So fine. I like it. You got all worked up. They were trolling. They were trolling. Last week, I made a big declaration that I was outraged on this show that the Oakland mayor had gone to visit Rob Manfred and that the uh, that the city of Oakland was trying to steal the A's from us. Oh, okay. Sure. Right. I mean, it's absurd. I don't to really your point, understand what that means. Yeah. But yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, because uh, they're still making last ditch efforts and it's now our team. So how dare you steal them from us? And to your point about the Bengals, your color is Bengals. We're the Browns colors. So shut the hell up now. Willie, yes. Miles Simmons, Cofield. Willie, continue. I know you wanted to move on to uh, one of your other great topics. I did, but DeMond wanted, had, had something real quick. He wanted to chime in. Okay. What you got, DeMond? Oh, yeah, Miles. I just had to ask. I saw your tweets about quarterback, and I didn't want to mention this on the show before because not everybody had gotten to this point. But everybody on the show is past this point. How funny was it, or how funny did you find it, when the guy who designed Kirk Cousins' house put a place for a mantle for a Super Bowl trophy? I mean, like, that's what you strive for, right? As a quarterback in the National Football League. And Kirk is one of those guys that's always been a little above average. Like, Kirk Carr is, excuse me, goodness gracious, Kirk Cousins is oh, <laughs> same guy. a little bit better right, than Derek guy. Carr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a 40 yeah. slip because it's where Out I was kind of going. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, aren't they basically the same guy? Because Kirk Cousins has been on, you know, better teams than Derek Carr. Like, they're always going to be kind of ranked in the same place where it's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're not bad and they can get you to certain places and they're decent leaders and they understand how to be a quarterback. But, like, not a level of Patrick Mahomes, not a level of Joe Burrow, not a level of Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, it's, yeah. Maybe if Brian Flores, like, really does some things with that defense, they can be a Super Bowl contender. But I kind of don't see it happening with Kirk Cousins. All right, I was going to go on to another show, but since we've talking quarterback, I have to say, yeah, I I am enjoying the storyline. I'm through I'm through episode three. Um, uh, I'm really liking the Marcus Mariota. Uh, I am Why? slowly becoming irritated with. Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that in episode oh. one, this whole thing with Max Crosby, and then all of a sudden, oh, come on, guy, you don't have to do that. And at the end, he's talking smack. And then in the locker room, he's going, yeah, just see me and Crosby almost fought. But then in episode two or three, he's telling defenders, oh, that was a good hit. Good hit, dude. Good hit. Come on now. Oh, and you ask me why? I, I like the storyline behind me. Or I like his. I like the backstories. I li- I'm liking the home life. That's why. Uh, Mariota did nothing for me. I think that the show would be better if he weren't in it. And that's, uh, again, it's not a very nice thing to say. But, like, I mean, he's not a very good quarterback, and the story's not very good, and he's not very good on television. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. So I think he's definitely, by all accounts, he's a very good person, and he's charitable, and he does a lot of things, and he really cares. But he's not good on television, and it's a television show. So at the end of the day, like, yes, yeah, the Mariota scenes and all that, they could have done without that. Um, I think that your uh, Las Vegas bias is showing a little bit, and my Patrick Mahomes bias is also showing when I start to say sing things like this, but I love everything about Patrick Mahomes, and I love the stuff with Max Crosby, and I love what he tells the defender's good hit, and I love uh, seeing his kind of training regimen and everything he does to prepare his body and the things that he does when he's watching film and how he explains stuff. Like, I just, I, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. So 
it turns into the Patrick Mahomes show the more the season goes on, which makes sense because yeah. Mahomes won the Super Bowl and the other guys right. did not. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I thought the series was great. All right, let me just interject real quick here. I am okay. you saying I'm saying I'm showing my Las Vegas side. I am not a Raiders fan. I never have been. I'm a Dallas <laughs> Cowboys fan since I was a kid, so it has nothing to do with that. I will say, yeah, I'm a, I am definitely a Max Crosby guy, but I just didn't like the isolation on how he's c- crying and complaining throughout all the. First of all, he didn't punch him in the arm. It was a little tap. Toughen up. You're a football player for Christ's sake. Ah. Toughen up. Toughen up. And you're telling the guy who played on high ankles brain to toughen up. Wow. Oh, sure. Okay, Willie. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and to be clear, too, I am also a Max Crosby guy. I, I enjoyed uh, covering Max Crosby day to day the year I did in Oakland in 2019. And I think he is a tremendous player and he's probably underrated. And so I hope that defense gets better around him so we really, really can see just how good Max Crosby is in 2023. Miles, awesome, man. We appreciate you carving out some time for us. Enjoy your concert tonight. Enjoy Hollywood. Stay out late. Uh, Uber back home or uh, Lyft back home. Be careful. Oh, definitely. I am not driving tonight. Just <laughs> enjoy it. See you, guys. See you later. Ooh, that's a, that was like a warning. It's like, oh, tying one on. It's like Papa Cofield there. I care about our regulars. I, I, although I didn't express that much uh, concern for uh, Sam Paniotovich in the Poconos while he was drinking, walking around the Shades of Death Trail. I, I was a little peeved that he said, who cares about hiking? I, I knew you were, I, I know, I was like, let's yeah. not, let's not go down the literally, <laughs> pun intended, this path. He just shot up number one I to know me. You, I know you love freaking hiking. Damon? No, I said Sammy P, he shot up number one to me. Me and him can enjoy a bottle of a uh, bootlegger. Was that what it was? It was bootlegger. Yeah, was I am also apple. not a fan of hiking. Are you really? You're anti-hiking? I'm, I've gotten around to it, but a couple years ago, strongly anti-hiking. Willie, if you invited me out one day, I'd go but I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> there, there's one There's one particular hike, I bet you if I took, not that you would become a hiker, but it's actually pretty cool. The way that the city unfolds when you get to the top. There is, there's only one in town that you can get people that don't hike to at least enjoy hiking. Send me a picture. Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. I was going to say something ominous is on the way. Uh, Cofield and Company, Damon is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. You heard it. BBBBC, Battleborn Broadcast Center, Battleborn Broadcast Center. 766-1400 to give the guys and all the wonderful folks here at Battleborn a call if you need help, you need advice. We lean on them often, the company and the staff, because we have you know issues like you guys do. So 766-1400 is the number. Justin, Matt, and everyone else here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Got to get to... A little more of the WNBA All-Star game here in the next 10 minutes. Just the star power that was at the game. But we were just talking NFL with Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. He's got his you know last couple of slower days going on right now. So he's going to see a show in Hollywood. But believe me, it's it ramps up next week. And really, it ramps up on the 20th because uh, the youngins report for the Raiders. And then by the 26th, they're out there. And you guys, especially you know guys like Willie and Adam Hill, you're going to be there just about every day. We know Adam is. I know you're going to be there a lot because that's uh, you know the day-to-day camp business leading up to the season and a lot of stories to cover with the Raiders. Uh, real interesting stuff. And, and you know what? I'm glad Miles made the correction there. One, Tony Pollard is signed, so he's expected to show up. Um, this whole thing 
you know, we had mentioned this whole thing about, well, you know, how close was Jacobs and what's going to happen with Barkley? And I almost asked a question. I'm like, well, I bet you the Giants break on Barkley. There's no breaking. This is it. It's a one-year deal. You play or you don't. There's no more negotiating. These running backs cannot get a long-term extension until after the season. So, like, we all have to I, – I have to retrain myself. Like, there's – this is not an ongoing situation. That was the deadline. It's yeah. a hard deadline. There's no freaking deal. Now the players have to deal with it. You either want to play or you don't. You come in when you you know when you want. You're going to get bopped with fines. That's it. The story's the, that part of the story's over. There's no fix coming. That's it. And it, and and it's troubling because you you understand where they're coming from. I, From a personal standpoint, I understand where Josh Jacobs is coming from in, in covering him, talking to him, having plenty of sort of just conversations at his locker. Um, I just don't know if it behooves him to, or Barkley at this point, to to sit out. That's the problem. Is it's, I don't think it's going to fix anything. Um, the guys who aren't signed yet, I mean, you know, we were talking about Dalvin Cook, like, hey, do it for all the other running backs. He's not going to do it for all the other running backs. He wants to get a job this year. Yeah. What Miles suggested is amazing, though, that one of the, you know, one of the teams, and we're talking about Raiders and Giants, could go to Dalvin Cook and offer him just a little under right. what these guys are making. Like, like hey, you guys don't want to come in. We got to have a running back. So Dalvin Cook signed, and now we're going to rescind the tag. Go ahead. See what kind of deal you can get. Maybe that's what they want. Well, maybe they're so frustrated with their current team. They're like, screw it. And, and, do not mistake this. My tone is not, you know, hey, Jacobs, hey, Barkley, you're going to learn a lesson. I don't I don't want that to happen, but if you were ruthless, could you do it? Yeah. As an NFL franchise, there are other running backs out there. You could pay, you know, something solid to, very solid to, and just tell Barkley and Jacobs, hey, you're that mad? Then buzz off. Yeah. And and he and he likened it to, and I know DeMond sent over something, um, for a possible topic um, in terms of strike, but that's exactly what I thought the way it was worded and presented was it sounds like you're right. What do they call them? Scabs, right? Where they cross the picket line okay. and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And it's a slap in the face. Well, and you but, have to not, but it's not a, yeah. it's not, it's he's, not they're not striking. Scab. Players could look true, at it like that, but that's the, that's what he liked. I, I, I actually, when he was bringing up the fact that Dalvin cook could be signed and then it would stick it to Barkley or Jacobs. I was actually trying to think of what I would do in that situation. I would try to refrain from screwing over another running back like that. Who's in limbo? Do you think I'm being a jackass that, that I, I would be like, nope, I, that I really would do it? Because I think I would stand by some principles and be like, the teams I will not go to, I'm not going to put those guys out on the street. And believe me, they're not destitute, either one of them. Right. But it would send, that sends a bad message. Like you got to be on the player side to a certain extent. There's 30 other clubs. Now, maybe only eight can afford you and will sign you, but... I don't think Dalvin Cook would do that, but who knows? Be a hell of a story. It would be, and I, and I and I do believe that Raiders management, even even all the positive we mentioned, all that Josh Jacobs has done, you know, through multiple regimes, that these guys come from Belichick. Belichick would do it. Oh, the, and no, we've already that's seen the organization that would do it. We've already we've already seen Josh and Ziggler move on from lots of people. They don't the hard feeling stuff. They're like, hey, business. You, by the way, you parked up when I was like, would they do it? You're like, oh, yeah, they would do it. Absolutely. They're, that's the team that would do it out of, the, out of the two we're talking about. What would be wild is if, if the Giants lost Barkley, if, he, you know, if they said, and then we get past it, is if Jacobs, now they need a running back, and they end up grabbing Jacobs, and now you got Jacobs and Waller over in New York. That would be crazy. 
We've got a uh, football league championship game uh, going on here uh, in Vegas, actually in Henderson on August 5th. It's at the Dollar Loan Center. It's a one o'clock kickoff. It's the indoor uh, indoor football league championship. Two tickets. uh, You qualify for a VIP prize as well. But right now, two tickets to the IFL's championship game, Eastern and Western Conference meet here in the Vegas area in Henderson at Dollar Loan Center. If you want to see indoor football, AXS.com is where you can grab your tickets. But DeMond's got a pair right now. Give him a call. Call her 7 Three six four eleven hundred. Now back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, I swear it's going to take like five more conversations on Josh Jacobs and Barkley to get out of my head that hey, there you know they could still get that long term contract done, folks. Right. It's over, and now both sides have to deal with any bad feelings that exist. And on the football player side, if you want to play and you want to make your money this year, you got to get over it. So I don't know if I could get over it. I don't know how productive I would be this year. Like, you know, prove them wrong again. And that's the position Josh Jacobs is in. Um, WNBA, you know, it was interesting with the All-Star weekend. There's, I think there was a goal, hey, let's have some fun. But it seems like a lot of the players, and I don't want to say, because I think a lot of, unfortunately, there are a lot of male sports fans who don't like female sports for obvious reasons. They get on them. And then anything the female athletes talk about where they're critiquing the sport and asking for improvements, it's like, what you have is good enough. Shut the hell up. It's like, no. Everyone is entitled to talk about improvements to their workplace. But I feel like WNBA players, while they're looking at the league, are, a lot of them have the bigger picture view of, hey, let's make this thing better for the people who, the women who follow us down the road, mm. right? And the topic of expansion came up in the WNBA, mm-hmm. which is interesting because my first argument would be, I don't think you, know, you have enough players now to, to fill this league. Am I wrong on this? When there's a 19-2 and two team? They don't is have there enough, enough roster depth? spots is, is to there, fill these teams? No, they. The claim would be they don't have enough roster spots to house all the talented players. My argument would be: Are there enough talented players that the teams on the the new teams in expansion would actually be good? The teams that exist now can't compete with the Aces, who are nineteen and two. Or, or does expansion mean we spread things out so there isn't a super team or two? That, How do you read this? Well, that they think that there should be more teams. The I think that it's the outsiders that think. I think the players, if you ask the players if in, to to define the word expansion, I think that they would be better. They would want more roster spots on the existing teams rather than going to fourteen. So instead of having a roster of 11, 12 players, go to 14, go to 13, 14. So those those talented players that aren't getting on rosters, those first-round draft picks that are getting cut, they find a spot. You know, I mean, you have X amount. The, 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 uh, the aces are carrying one less than they need to because or than they can for salary issues. But now you have injuries. They're walking around with a nine-player roster. Right. So – if you're going to expand, I think you're better suited for financial reasons that they're already working in the red. Instead of having an entire fran- two new entire franchises with arena, rent, facility, payroll, 
front office, so on and so forth. You're just talking about a couple of extra salaries per team. Right. If you added teams, could could two new teams in new markets in the WNBA draw 8,000 a game? Probably if they picked the right spots. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I think so. I mean, they talked about Toronto when they brought this up to the players at the uh, media availability, and everybody said Toronto first because of the exhibition game that was played there, and it drew 19,000 fans. Everyone was wooed and awed by that, but it was a one-off. It was one time, so right. of course it's going to draw that kind of attention. You know, it's it's like it's like us talking for two weeks now about the big LSU game in November with Angel Reese and HVL. They're coming to Vegas. It's going to draw. But are they? Could you always draw that for a college program? Probably not. Yeah. So I don't know if Toronto's going to draw nineteen thousand fans every single home game, but it could draw eight thousand. And if you get in a different area, Philadelphia, if you bring it back to Charlotte, if you bring it um, to the Bay Area. I'm sure that they would draw that. I mean, I thought it was interesting going back to the talent and fielding two more teams. Chelsea Gray actually mentioned how much better the talent level has gotten in the last five or seven years. And she referenced, I don't know what it was, but she had referenced like, you know, you didn't see a few years ago someone coming down and, you know, raining like four three-pointers in a row. People can do that now. She's saying the talent is getting better. Damon, because I wanted to bring you in on this and it's, you know, you're good on everything, but I wanted to make the reference to UFC. I still felt like, and I still feel this way, that Ronda Rousey forced the hand of Dana White. There still aren't enough female fighters to fill 125 and 135 and certainly 145. They're trying, but the sport is still relatively young with women. So the worldwide pool, I don't think is big enough you know, to have 20 women under contract at 125, 135, and 145. Did you see the clip that our friend of the show, RJ Clifford, posted on Twitter? Where he was like, oh, this is the difference between maybe one of the best divisions in UFC, 155, the male division. And right. then it was a clip of a women's fight from this past weekend on the same car where you had someone literally running away in the octagon. Just a yeah. full sprint to their side of the cage. And it's just one of those things where, as you said, you gave the Ronda Rousey comparison. Where, yeah, these rosters, they don't need entire new, like, new teams just you know for expansion's sake, just you know to try to earn some more money. But it does go to what Willie's saying, where you do have sometimes first-round picks. They get cut and don't make a roster. That makes no sense in any league that someone can be a first-round pick and still not make the roster. That's something wrong with the crazy. league. I don't think that that's something that's wrong with the particular players. So my theory that the league shouldn't expand because there's not enough teams and players that can all you know right now compete with the Aces. They're out to a 19 and two start. You talk to a player. Who'd you talk to? Natasha Cloud. Right. You talk to a player, and she was she was not buying the hey the Aces are freaking unbeatable. Play cut one. Very competitive Eastern Conference in the in the first half of the season. How do you see the second half shape up? Is there, I mean, EDD obviously he's got to get healthy, but how do you foresee the second half and how things got to play out? Uh, the same thing. The Eastern Conference, part of it, it, we're really strong. We have a lot of good teams, a lot of competitive teams. So it's going to continue to be that in the second half. We're only going to get better. Uh, right now we have a little bit of an injury bug, but we've always sustained. Uh, we have enough in our locker room to be able to hold it down. So we're going to hold the floor down until we can get our players back. And you've been pitching this all season that – uh, people aren't looking deeply enough around the league to see there's a lot of beat-up teams. There's teams that aren't exactly in a flow right now. They're not completely healthy. Give me part two. We know what DB and AT can do. We've always known that. But were you surprised at how dominant they were able to be with the losses of JJ and Kurt Miller going to uh, L.A.? 
No. That's the players that they are. It's the players that they've always been. It doesn't matter what coach is there. It doesn't matter what other players. If the two of them are there, they're going to be solid. And they have really other good additional pieces that complement them really well. I know you. I know you watch game film, and I know how you break down teams. Is Las Vegas beatable down the stretch when everybody starts improving their game? Yeah, they don't have a bench. That, and that's the honest truth. They don't go deep into their bench. That's the reality of it. So if you can, in a game, in a series, right, anybody's beatable. They don't have a bench. Shots fired. The Aces don't have a bench. It's a, it's a strong sentiment from somebody who is never afraid to talk trash, talk smack, and 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 say what she feels. And um, it's a strong statement this year. Last year, that might have fit in the fact that Becky took forever to get to her reserves. But when Alicia Clark is your sixth woman, it's a, it's a very strong statement. When Kia Stokes, who was your starting center mm. – on a championship team is now the backup to Candace Parker. It's a strong sentiment. When Kirsten Bell, who's one of the most improved reserves, and oh, by the way, Raquana Williams still hasn't played yet. And if she if she gets better, we saw what she did in the playoffs last year. So um I just it it, it it's you know, I keep going back and I ask plenty of people this during All-Star Weekend. The New York Liberty coach Sandy Brondello said has been saying it's not a matter of how much better can this aces team be she said it's it that's not the point they they can't get any better than what we're seeing look at how dominant they are it's that every other team is going to get better and healthier willie did a really good job of collecting interviews and seeing all the the sites and the celebs out at mandalay bay this weekend on the way back we got to play a conversation with that he grabbed real quick one with Haley Van Lith, who is an emerging star on the college basketball scene on the women's side. She showed up with two other women's players. Boy, they were dressed uh, in interesting fashion, and I wonder if one of the you know real heads of women's college basketball, Tara Vanderveer, was irate with what she saw. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, big up, big up, grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Last couple things on women's basketball. Um, did you talk to anyone about the attendance at the WNBA All-Star Game? I, I know what it was. What was I, it? It was 9,400, the official number for the game. What do you think was in the building? 7,500? No, I would say there was probably eight, 9,000. Okay. Yeah. There were empty seats, though. Yes. Um, and, you know, as I looked around the arena, I was like, well, it happened again. This was another Vegas event where I looked for tickets midday on ticket resellers. Mm. Upstairs were 179 a piece. Wow. I'm like, that's a little too high for me. Steep. I think it's happened a bunch of times at Allegiant. I think it happens all the time with concerts here where tickets are scooped up by ticket resellers. And the seats just go unused. Or you just get ripped off and you go. That's your choice. I have no idea how they solve it. But it would have been cool to have, you know, just over 10,000 there. And I 94 sold, like all 9,400 people in seats. I don't know what to do about it. I just know as a consumer, I was looking. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll buy a couple of tickets. And I'm like, not, not spending $400 on two all-star game tickets. And then, you know, walk in the building and there's 2,000 empty seats. I think that's ridiculous. 
buy them early. I uh, to the end. I should have. Yeah, I'm. I'm still stinging from the Pro Bowl. I was just gonna say a I was couple about of years ago. Say, yeah. When I when I paid like one seventy five for a seat and I walked in, there's thirty four thousand people in a sixty five thousand seat stadium. Like, what yeah. the hell just happened? Yeah. I got crushed. I was gonna bring that up. Now, if I were someone like Haley Van Lith, one seventy nine a ticket, no worries. Okay. So, first of all, this young lady was at Louisville. Good player, right? Mm-hmm. Edge. She lands at LSU. LSU's got an unlimited budget for Mulkey with NIL. Your favorite coach. Uh, Van Lith was at the game with who was it? Was it Deja Kelly who plays at? North Carolina. And? Cam Brink. Cam Brink at? Stanford. Okay. Um, they're, they got a lot of attention. Their, uh, their outfits were very, we'll say, Vegas, right? I was going to say red carpet Hollywood. Okay. Um, they're, they're young ladies. They can dress any way they, they want, although I may have some advice here in a second. Um, you caught up with Haley Van Lith, who is going to be a megastar this year on the number one team. They're going to get a blowout opener. I'm not saying the score, but they're going to be treated like queens at an opener here in Vegas. That also includes Bronny James and USC on the men's side. That's on November 6th. Here's Willie with HVL. So we are joined here, courtside WNBA All-Star Game, Haley Van Lith, newest LSU Tiger. I got to ask you, the ambiance out here at this All-Star Game, the energy in this arena, um, your first thoughts here in Las Vegas at this basketball crowd. I think, you know, the love for women's basketball out here is insane, and uh, it's really special to see, and it just is proof that the game is growing, so I can't wait to be a part of it. Piggybacks into my next question. How much are you looking forward to LSU playing out here? I believe it's the season opener. You're playing in Las Vegas in a much bigger arena. When you see this crowd, how, how, how much are you excited to play here? Oh, the type of player I am, I love big crowds. I love the big moments. So I think, you know, I was born for that, and I can't wait to be out here. All right. So, well, because I know what comes out of this. You can't speak honestly on these situations because it's going to be a, a, hey, mind your own business. Don't worry about how people are presenting themselves. I'm just going to give my opinion. So Papa Steve, who has no kids, you know, going back to what Tara Vanderveer, the coach of Stanford, said a while back, she was getting on Livy Dunn, who is a megastar, gymnast who's at LSU. Uh, she's a megastar on Instagram and TikTok. She makes millions of dollars, right? She's a very attractive young woman. Um, you know, I think she's a draw for certain reasons, aside from her athleticism. And I wonder if you're a, a parent, a mom or a dad, what you tell your daughter in terms of making max money with NIL, building a brand, um, maybe going the route of the Cavender twins, because I don't know the right answer. Like, do you just money grab and do what mo- pretty much what you have to do? Or is there a way to present yourself where I'll say you're not selling out to what your standards are. Because Van Lith and Brink and Deja Kelly were kind of scantily clad. And I just wonder what it's like being a parent when you're like, hey, I raised an athlete here, but to make that next level money NIL-wise, this is what they have to do? It's interesting you bring that up. The last Power Slap event that I was at, I happened to run into two of the biggest fitness influencers, Sarah Safari, Faith Ordaway, and I watched a YouTube video, Sarah talking about her mom, and she talked about just safety. 
because she's a fit. So she's always in sports bras right. and spanks and whatnot. Um, so it is interesting. I would like to get some of two of those influencers. They're coming back for Power Slap 4. Maybe we get them on. Okay.